There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. We have a talk show queen, icon, and legend on today, Ricky Lake. Ricky's got a new podcast called Raised by Ricky. I'm so excited. Ricky Lake, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling like um, it's always fun when the work you do feels really enjoyable and rewarding and like it all just feels aligned, you know? Yeah. The first episode I listened to, it was so good. And I was raised by Ricky because I'm a nineties kid. And so I remember watching. And so it was just so exciting to hear you talk about the show and uh, looking back at the show. And I know you have, I'm a talk show junkie too. And I know you said you have Rosie O'Donnell coming on the show. She to me, she's the second episode. Yeah. Now what, now describe, I agree with you, but I want to know what you mean by that. Her being like your North star, like what was it about her? Why her? As a pop culture obsessed kid, the way that she would talk to guests as a fan, I feel like was so appealing to me when she would have Barbara on and cry. And when she would have Bette Midler on or Mary Tyler Moore, and she had her notebook reading different um, quotes from the show. I mean, I just loved that. I love all talk shows, but yeah. it, it felt really authentic, you know, and, right. and I agree with you. I mean, I'm, I, Rosie's been a friend of mine for over 30 years and she's actually on the se- second episode. She was kind enough to talk to me on my podcast for the, which was, I didn't at the time, because I've known her for so long and we've been through so much separately, but knowing t- each other, I didn't really put it together that we both were talk show people in the nineties during that time. And during the time of nine 11 and talking about her experience versus my experience, it was, it was really introspective. And I think you're going to hear her in a way that, that maybe, you know, you haven't heard her before. So I was really happy. Uh, You started your show in 93. And I wondered if you ever felt pressure. Cause I, I feel like as an audience member that your show sort of was in the middle of a Jerry Springer and a Rosie. Like, I don't feel like you were maybe as kind of hard as a Jerry Springer or, uh, but I feel like it was sort of towing the line. Did you ever feel pressure to lean one way or another a little bit more? Or how did you sort of balance that? I don't remember feeling pressure because what we were doing, first of all, we were, we were like three or four years before Rosie and Jerry Springer. He was on the air when we went on the air. Today happens to be the anniversary of us going on the air. Today's 29 years of the launch, you know? So it's, but Jerry was doing a very different, more of a Phil Donahue type of show. So when we came out and doing a show that was relationship driven, wasn't celebrity driven, relationship driven for young people. It was from their vantage point, their perspective. That was, that was the hook 
you know, that was what made us different. And I was younger than any other host, you know, before, and it just worked. It just clicked. So as we went on through the years, I mean, you're sure there's pressure to kind of keep your ratings, what they are, and you see all this competition come and go. But I think we really stayed true to what the show was. Yes, we eventually had Britney Spears on with Baby One More Time when it first came out and NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and Usher, you name it. They all came on our show because we had that audience, but it wasn't celebrity driven. And that's something that like, I don't think I'm, I'm, you know, Rosie is so good at that. She's so good at like making it seem totally authentic. This person coming on to plug their movie or something. I'm not, I I just wanted to talk like gossip about people's relationships. You know, that was like what I loved. I still love it. I'm fascinated by what people do to each other and to themselves on television. Um, So yeah. Yeah. I have very vivid memories of my brother watching me and we had a little shelf that are in our kitchen that led to the living room and we would have Ricky on and your show on. And I just have these very vivid memories of watching it. Is there ever a topic where you see something now on social media or you just think of something and you're like, oh, that would have made a great episode if we were doing the show today? Not really. (laughs) I don't really. I mean, until I was doing this podcast project, I really didn't reflect on it. I I feel like I lived it. It was such a chunk of my life. And so much happened to me personally during the time I found love. I got married for the first time. I had my two kids. And then the last season of the show, I filed for divorce. So it's like literally this personal life that kind of went up and down and up and down. And so I never really stopped to kind of think, first of all, like what an impact, a positive impact the show had. I mean, it really, and it's now through the lens of who I am now and how old I am and the life experience I've had that it really was for people that were marginalized and did not feel represented gay people Mm -hmm. in middle America. They, they day in and day out didn't see people like them. And so it was a real source of, 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 everything for a young person like that growing up, you know, seeing people treated equally, no matter who they love, you know, um, that's something that looking back on, I, wow, I didn't think of it as groundbreaking at the time, but um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't something I really, really stopped and thought about, you know, my, my days with John Waters, my start doing hairspray and being around all different types of people and everyone being treated with love and respect. It made it, easy to do that on my own talk show. You know, I have so many things I want to ask you, Ricky. Okay. So you mentioned John Waters. What is one thing that you took from him? I'm sure there were so many lessons. Obviously you played Tracy and his hairspray, but is there one thing that sort of sticks with you on your, in your everyday life or something you think yes. about all the time? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes. I mean, there's something that I, and I talked about it cause I just had him on my podcast. We just uh, taped it last week and it was really fun for me because again, like I haven't really reflected and did a timeline and, and talked about it with him, but there's something very specific that he didn't actually remember, but I remember it vividly, which is a very big deal because I don't remember a lot. I took Ambien a lot back in the day and I have <laughs> selective memory loss, but in this, this instance, so Harris, we finished taping. It was the summer of 1987. I was 18 years old. And I remember him sitting me down and he said, I want, I want to give you some advice. He said, I want, I have, I, I want you to remember these three things. Cause he said, your life is about to change, you know? And he said, always stay humble, always stay true to yourself. And you're going to, if you're going to read and believe the good things people write about you, you're going to have to read and believe the bad. 
Mm. So, you know, I mean, but I'm telling you, like I have been in this business for 35 years now. I've stayed for anyone that's known me, Liza Persky or and all, and all of yeah, it. We were talking about I, Liza before we recorded a mutual friend who we yeah, love. Yeah, mutual dear friend. But like, I'm very much exactly who I was back then. You know, a lot of great things have happened to me. A lot of traumatic things have happened. And yet I've managed to keep my feet on the ground. And I really credit John Waters for instilling that in me. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful he, that he was my entree to this crazy fucking business, you know? <laughs> okay. So you get the talk show at, I believe you were 24, correct? I was 23. I, 23. 23. Like I can't even imagine 23 getting your own show like that. It, like nothing in my career with the exception of my documentary work is calculated on my part. It's literally the job that's placed in my lap. I mean, I have to earn, I have to win the part and I have to do a good job, but basically every opportunity came my way kind of just happenstance, you know? And so with the, with the talk show, I'd done hairspray, you know, I'd done, and I've, I've always like, they're like, my friends will say that I don't have the doubt gene. I don't have I don't doubt, I don't ever doubt myself. I don't know doubt. And there's something to be like, it's kind of true because I just, if someone gives me the opportunity, if John Waters thinks I'm Tracy Turnblad, yeah, Hunter, I'm Tracy Turnblad, you know, and with the talk show, they think I, I love talk shows. I loved Oprah and Sally and Phil Donahue. I was like, they think I could do it. Okay. You know, sure. I'll try, you know, I'll do it. And so it's just like, there's a, almost like a naivete. My, I'm so green, but I'm so like open and up for the experience and I have no doubt. So it just, it just works. Yeah. But I mean, looking back on it, I mean, it's almost, it's presumptuous that I was in that role of moderating a panel and giving advice. I mean, I had no sense of who I was and uh, it's hilarious, but incredible. um, Incredible. So the talk show, the first run of it ended in 2004 and take me through your decision because you did finish out your contract, but uh, take mm-hmm. me through the decision to step away from the talk show. What made you, I know you just mentioned 9-11. We just had the anniversary and I'm so fascinated by what it must've been like to be on air immediately following that. So can you talk to me a little bit about that period? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, my talk show ended, well, let me first, 9-11 was a, like, I mean, it was traumatizing for ev- everyone, but you know, for me, I was a new mom. I had a newborn and a, and a four-year-old and I witnessed it. I watched, I lived in the West village. So I lived downtown and I saw the plane, the second plane firsthand, saw the buildings collapse on the roof of my building with my four-year-old next to me. I mean, I, you know, and it was that moment of just this, this fight or flight feeling like I was going to die that literally thinking that was it, you know, and I sort of made this kind of pact or this epiphany that I was just going to make some changes in my life. And, and it wasn't like, I, it's not like I had the power to cancel my show. I finished my contract and, and both, I think both sides agreed that it, it had run its course, you know, even though we went off the air with higher ratings than Ellen launched with, you know, like we were still doing well, but it, it was time. I wanted to move out to LA. I wanted to just, I, 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 I just never felt safe. And I love New York. I'm in New York right now. I'm a born and raised New Yorker, but like, there's something shifted for me that day. And I just, I just didn't feel safe anymore in, in that same way. And so, you know, I just, I'm all about reinventing. Like I really, like, I love my show. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It was 11 years. It was so good to me. And I'm so happy I get to kind of go back with this new podcast, but I, I like doing new things. I like, you know, whether it's doing dancing with the stars or becoming a serious documentary filmmaker, you know, I just, it's not that I have really anything to prove, but I really, I, I after nine 11, I looked at my show in a different way. It felt 
even though we think we did a lot of good work, I think it felt like a lot of nonsense, you know, a lot of people screaming at each other and, you know, t- DNA, t- not the DNA test is not a big deal, but like, like it was just like yeah, yeah. exploitative. I, it just, I kind of changed, I think. And I wanted to be, I wanted to do work that I felt was even more positively impactful. And that's why I went on to make my documentary about birth. You know, I, I felt like I, I just, I wanted my life to be even more meaningful to me. And your, so, yeah. Your documentaries are so brilliant. And if anyone hasn't checked them out, I encourage them to do so. But I wonder, did, I don't know if this question makes sense, but did, did your talk show work inform any of the documentary process? Like, I don't know. Um, did you carry I, well, I'll any? I'll tell of- you, I'll tell you, I don't mean to cut you off. No, I, I think, I think, I think I had the talk show in order to be able to make these documentaries okay. because I think having the foundation of that mainstream audience that roots for me, that trusts me, that relates to me. Like, I feel like having that base, I was able to make a pretty provocative film and, and have it be fed easily fed to mainstream, the mainstream audience. And so that's where I think the power in that, that, you know, because I was a recognized, I was certainly not the typical advocate for home birth. (laughs) Like I'm so not that person, but I think um, I was curious about, I mean, it's the same thing like doing on my talk show, talking about relationships, all things like, why did they do that? Or why did that happen? Same thing with birth. I got really interested in the birth world and why things would be, are being done in the hospital setting. And I wanted to explore that. And so, and the the movie, making that movie after 9-11, working on for three and a half years, all my own money, it was like a calling. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. even know it would have an impact. Like I didn't think about the impact. I, I, I needed to put this out in the world. And now, you know, it's almost 15 years next year is 15 years since the movie came out and we're going to do a re-release. We're going to actually, Abby and I are going to do an updated version because it's still relevant today. All the statistics, you know, one in three uh, has, has a C-section. I mean, it's still the maternal mortality rate, especially among women of color is, is, is just disgusting. So yeah, we have more we want to do with that film, but that to me is the pinnacle of my work. Even though the Ricky mm-hmm. Lake show is the one who like that everyone knows me from, and I I'm so proud of it. But the personal documentaries that I work on for uh, for years and don't get paid, and it's 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 about yeah. something bigger, you know. They're so good. In terms of the topics of your talk show, is there one you're you're most maybe embarrassed by you you mentioned exploitive was there one that you wish you could take back and then also conversely is there one that you look back on that sticks out in your mind as one you're most proud of i'm sure there's so many episodes you did it's It's really hard hard to keep track of all it's so hard to remember like um i mean i'm sure there were cringy moments i'm sure you know i i i I do remember one we did a dna show and this was like before the dna shows were every day on whatever Maury and stuff yeah. we were doing that. And I remember we had a girl on and a young woman and she had three men come on that she was sure one of them was the father and none of them were the father. Not net. I mean, the, the embarrassment for this woman and that all the guys high-fiving each. I mean, it, like that is, I mean, it was great television, but it was, do I feel that's one that sticks out that I remember mm-hmm. that I thought how that woman must have felt, you know? Um, so you know, that's, that's an experience. I, 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 yeah, I, I shudder to think what, what happened to her when she went home, but, um, you know, we had that uh, guy, what's a Reverend Fred Phelps on that was, he was absolutely disgusting. And I ended up kicking him off the stage because he was saying these crazy things. And it was a moment we talk about on the podcast because he was the homophobic guy, right? Yeah. He's the Reverend that would pick it at AIDS 
victims funerals and like i mean he was like vile and i was like why are we giving this guy a platform you know and they're like well it's better to be able to see these people rather than not you know to know anyway i i I was you know at that time i was the first season of my show is 25 and so i i'd never been disrespected on my on my show before and he i can't remember exactly what he was saying but he said all these crazy things and i just was like you may be a reverend but this is still my show get off you know it's a moment for me but um you know I have such great, like fond memories of every show. It was always a party. It was always like unexpected stuff happening. It was always like a feel good, like Stuart Krasnow, who was a producer on my show. And we talked to him on the podcast. He said, you know, it wasn't like a gotcha. It was more like, Oh, you know, it's like the tone was different than some of the other shows. Right. We have to take a quick break here. Before we do, I want to say what a delight it was to get to talk to Ricky Lake, a talk show legend. And I've been fortunate enough on Everything Iconic to talk to so many other hosts that I admire and love, people like Andy Cohen, Rosie O'Donnell, Kathy Lee Gifford, and so many others. You can listen to all those interviews on the podcast feed. Be sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to Everything Iconic. I also try to put the interviews up on the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, it's talk show premiere week right now, so I've been keeping an eye on all the new shows. Sherry Shepard debuted Sherry, her new show. She's taking over in a lot of the markets for Wendy Williams. And although I miss Wendy terribly, no one could ever replicate Wendy's voice on daytime. I'm excited to see what Sherry does with her new show. And she's a comedian, so she's so funny. She also was on The View, so she knows how to do the Hosting format, we got Jay Hud has got a new talk show. She inherited the Ellen set. She had Simon Cowell on as her first guest. Also, Drew Barrymore, who I love. She's got a new format. She's doing half-hour episodes this season. And I watched the first uh, one. It was an interview with Justin Long, who she dated, and it was so tight. And I felt like there was no filler in a great way. It left me wanting more. And I love Drew, so it was so it was exciting to watch her new version of the Drew Barrymore show, and I hope it has many more years to come. But I love all this stuff, and I love talk shows so much. And if you haven't read my book, it's called How Do I Unremember This? There's a whole chapter dedicated to my love of talk shows. The acknowledgments at the end is is all about my love of the format. So this is where I do my plug for my book. It's called How Do I Unremember This? Wherever books are sold. Right now, it's on uh, sale for twelve ninety nine on Amazon. So get it now. It's also available on Audible or wherever you listen to audiobooks if you like to read a book that way. And with all of that said, we need to take our break. We'll be right back with much more from Ricky Lake. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. 
That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everything iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everything iconic. What do you think after all those years makes a good talk show host? I mean, being a good listener. I mean, that's like, like, uh, you know, I, I don't watch a lot of talk these days. There's not a show. Although I, I just did Sherry Shepard. She's, she is adorable. She's like she's made so funny. for it. Yeah. She's funny. She's, she's got a great sense of humor about herself. She's super like relatable, like a girl next door. I love her. I think she's going to be great being a good listener and being like true to yourself and being authentic and um, being quick. I mean, being very quick on your feet. And I, you know, I did not, one of the things I'm really proud of, and I don't know if you know this, I think you might know this. I never wore an IFB. <gasps> I did not know this, but wait, I'm sure they yelled at you about wearing the IFB. They did. Okay, oh, yeah, so how did you get around that? All the time. I did, because it didn't help me. It yeah, actually yeah. took me out of the moment I was in. Gail Steinberg, my genius EP that was on the sides with me and Garth Anseer, the creator and mastermind of the whole thing. You know, they wanted me to, they wanted to be like, connected to me in the control room. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't stand it. So I refused yeah. to wear one, which I, you know, what it's a big deal because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot that you have to do that mm-hmm. the control room would like to be able to control. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want that. So I had Gail on the sides with cue cards. If there's some point that I'm missing or I need to go to break suddenly, but for the most part, like I had this ability. I mean, it's almost like a vid- idiot savant because I could, I could time a segment in my head. I'd know exactly what was a seven and a half minute segment. And I get the story, the first side of the story, then the second, then hold the, you know, and then the whole thing is like a little bit of like a formula, but like I was able to really, you know, do it in my head, you know? Yeah. For those who don't know, an IFB is a, a mic that's in your ear or an earpiece that you have connection to the control room. I was watching the Emmys yesterday and last year I did the after show for the Emmys and there was someone in my ear and it was one of the first times really working with the IFB. And I just remember it was so distracting because you'll be in the middle of a sentence and somebody is exactly. saying, you have to go to, we have a tweet on screen, go to the tweet or something. And it's yeah. like, you're still trying to get out one sentence. And um, It just, it just pulled me out of it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. yeah. Thank you for explaining an IFB. I assume oh, everyone knew. Of course. Uh, okay. So was there any competition back in the day? I mean, there were all these talk shows in the nineties that I mean, I felt like I was watching all of them, but what was the competition like? Uh, Let me, I mean, like, 
I'm trying to think. So like the first year, there was like three different shows that launched with us. There was one named Les Brown and there was another woman, an African-American woman. And then, you know, after we came out, it's just like everyone tried to get it. So it was Tempest Bled. So, I mean, I, there were hundreds. I mean, I think there was like well over a hundred people that tried to host the show, got a deal for a few weeks or made a pilot. And, and yeah, I, I mean, there was Queen Latifah was on for a few seasons. Uh, Rosie was a different show and she was a success in her own right. But like, I'm trying, I'm trying to think, I mean, you could probably punch up the list. I haven't, There's so many I haven't. Them. There's so many Carney Wilson and yeah. But our producers yeah. coming after at, at the end of each show being like, we have to do this. We got to beat these people. We got to do this. Or is it, are no, you staying I mean, I don't, I don't think, I mean, yeah. we would look at the ratings. We would definitely look and Gail like had this system of tracking, like what type of show rated and she'd schedule this one for this for Thursday. And this one, I mean, yeah. she was a genius when it came to programming. Um, but I, like, I don't remember feeling pressure because we were just, we were that we were the show we were the original show doing something new and different and um yeah it felt more like like fun i'm sure you've been asked this a million times but do you think your show could exist these days like do you think the show as it was no i don't do you do you think so no i mean i feel like with everything especially with social media you mentioned platforming and giving someone a platform. And I feel like that's the argument now that I hear a lot is like, should you interview someone? Even people who have talk shows, when they have on a controversial guest, a lot of people, if you hop on social media, will say, how dare you have them on? This is a controversial person. Why are we giving them a platform? Or this is a person who said or did this. And I think that's a hard line to toe and also dangerous in so many ways because it is... I don't know. I don't know where I stand on it, to be honest with you, because I don't know if you should, if if there's someone who is doing something really horrific in terms of politics or something like that, I don't know if you should not give them a platform or if you should talk to them publicly so that people can see and maybe mm-hmm. change their mind about things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just glad I'm not doing yeah, a talk yeah. show now. Like, I really feel like, especially it was a different time. It was like, we didn't have thousands of channels to check out you know there was like really like a concentrated audience that it was like the must-see thing for young people and and it was a time when you could you couldn't have feedback instantaneously like you can now I mean it's really and, and you can't like sort of get in trouble the way you can now like the slightest thing offends someone being canceled is like a thing you know now and you know, I also have a theory, like with my old show, like I and Andy Cohen, who's a good friend of mine, I think has it too. Both of us, and I'm going to say this to him when, we, when I talk to him on my show, have this ability, I think, to basically get away with asking almost anything. Oh, yeah. 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 Totally. You know, and that is like a gift, I think that, you know, because I, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know if you have some idea, but like, I think there's... Because I, I think know. you're not a bad person. I think when the audience can sense that you are a genuinely good human being, I think you can get away with a lot more because they know that you're not coming yep. from a place of being an evil human being. Whereas I think if there's even a tinge of some sort of um, maleficence, yeah, that word? that's yeah. the word, right? Yeah, um, it, well, yeah. character for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. No, you're right. Andy, I watch him and it's like, it's masterful because he's getting such great, response or content but it's it's from such a cheeky likable you know it's just i don't know he's he's very masterful i saw him with hillary uh, clinton and her daughter it was amazing mm-hmm. it was it was like top notch interviewing 
in my opinion. One of the weird things now about talk shows, and I talked to Bonnie Hunt, who had a daytime show for a little while, and she was saying that the thing with her show, which was, I think, maybe probably five or 10 years ago now, but they always wanted a viral moment. And so now everything is like, we need a viral moment. We need exactly. You, we need you yeah. to do this. And it's a hard line to tell because not every episode of a talk show should be something where you could get a 30 second sound bite that's going to be all over Instagram or TikTok. Yeah. I mean, our, our thing back then was like sweeps, you know, we do the most sort of salacious or the most topical, like, you know, that you, you put your strongest shows, which are mostly, mostly the ones with all the emotion during sweeps, you know, for those ratings. Yeah. I know you did a new version of the talk show in 2012 and Mm -hmm. would you ever bring back another version, another iteration of the regulation? You're done. I, I think I'm done. I yeah. think I'm done. I mean, whether I'm like guest host for some existing show or whatever. I mean, I, I've ne- I, I haven't really done that, but I, I maybe would. I no, I lived it. I want to do what's something else. I want to do something. Okay, you wait. Know, this so podcast. What, yeah. What yeah, else? I want to. I want to know what else. But... I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. There's nothing. Uh, this podcast is totally filling my like dance calendar and and I really like my life like I have a balance I love my lady of leisure time with my new husband in our house I you know so I I I do like doing projects that are going to like get me get me up in the morning and inspire me and keep me on my toes but I'm not looking to like stay relevant to you know for the sake of the, no I I'm not I I just I love the balance that I have, the level of fame I have is like ideal. I go everywhere. I'm a totally normal person and people really love my work. You know, whether it's my documentaries there, you know, or my days with John Waters or the talk show, I just like, I, I love what I've gotten to do. And, you know, I feel like there's more in the pike, like there's more, more to come. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe, you know, Abby and I, my, my directing partner, we're talking about next steps, but it's very, very hard to do these documentaries. I need another documentary. I need you to act in something. I want to see you acting again because I love your acting work. And mm, thank you, you. I maybe. <laughs> maybe. What is it about hairspray that you think keeps on keeping on? I mean that that story just keeps being rebooted, and people are so attracted to it. I love it. We just had um, Nikki Blonsky on the show, and she was talking. She's about Tracy. great. She's amazing. I love her. I love Marissa. I love uh, Maddie Balio. I mean, all of them. And there's all like Katie Garrity. There's all these other ones that I've met in London and wherever. It's it's almost like the perfect musical and message. And it just, unfortunately, the messaging is as you know relevant today as it was back then. It's like almost like we've gone full circle. And I just think you know, seeing a, a young woman that isn't the typical ingenue kind of winning the prize and getting the guy. I mean, that's just like universal for any underdog, anyone that felt like an outsider or misfit growing up, they get to look to this character. And, and I think, you know, in, in our original film, it was believable that Tracy got the guy and won everyone's hearts. You know, she was, you know, just such a great person. And I just, I think the the message still holds up and, and John Waters, you know, he's just an international treasure. I mean, that the, the, talk about staying true to yourself, you know, look mm-hmm. at his career. Pink Flamingos is having his 50th anniversary so next year. And my friend Tess Holiday, I don't, you must know Tess. She invited me to go. They're doing a big thing at the Madonna Inn 
in uh, you know you know the Madonna Inn and like yeah. San Luis Obispo. Yeah, they're doing a big huge event two day event. We may go, but no, John Waters is just 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 such a unique and talented, brilliant guy and mentor. And uh, yeah, I just think hairspray is just magical. You said unique, and it's like, I I crave uniqueness now, especially in film, because I feel like there's so much that is the same we're seeing over and over again. And so John Waters just always had such a unique voice that I crave that. He's, he's the best. And he's, you know, he's a writer, he's a fine artist. He's, he does it all and he's constantly working. And uh, yeah, what a, what a, I mean, just, just my introduction you know, is my, for to be his muse for those mm-hmm. films, you know, is amazing. like the greatest, the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, I know you have so much amazing work ahead of you, but at the end, when people look back on your career, what is, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to look back on and say about you and about your work? Mm. I just, that I lived, you know, I have lived and I've had this like really extraordinary career. I've gotten to do it all. Um, and I'm really happy. Like I'm really like my, through it all, I'm super grateful for every opportunity, every pitfall, every failed marriage, every, you know, all of it. Um, I, I'm someone, I think I'm continuing to get better with age. Like I do think I'm the best me I've ever been. Yeah. But mostly that I lived, I fucking lived it up. I, yeah, (laughs) I did it all. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ricky, what a delight to get to talk to you. I mean, I look up to you and your work and I was raised by Ricky, which is the name of your podcast. Mm-hmm. You host it with Kalen Allen, which is so interesting because he's a young guy and it, he was born That's in why. 1993 That's or something. And I'm like, I know yeah. he's amazing. He's wonderful. And he's I love amazing. hearing his he's, perspective. Oh, Liza Persky loved him too. She, she said she discovered him. Yeah. 
he's amazing. And I think, you know, the idea is to have someone that didn't grow up with the show to look at it, look at the, le- the from the lens of him and hopefully bring people in that, that didn't grow up with the show. Uh, Ricky, the last two things I ask every one of my guests, and sorry if you don't have an answer prepared, but what is your favorite Mariah Carey song? And also, if you were choosing for People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, who would you choose? Oh, well, the second one, of course, I'm going to choose my husband. He is the sexiest guy I know. Is that him uh, behind Mariah, you? That No, that is that is CJ, but Ross okay. is over there. Uh, Ross, will you come say hi? You're adorable, by the way, Danny. Oh, I want to be friends you, with you. <gasps> Let's if you're, do it. it any friend of Liza's is a friend of mine. We this is us. Ross. Hi, Ross. Don't you agree? He's the sexiest yes, man yes, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I agree with so that. Him and my favorite hands down Mariah Carey song, Always Be My Baby. Oh, classic. classic. But you know what? Can I tell you? I have a little connection to Mariah Carey. So Please. Mariah Carey used to sing with Brenda K. Starr. Back up. And, you know, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was her backup singer. She was Brenda's backup singer. And I used to sing with Brenda K. Starr when I was 15 to 17 years of age in this show called The Early Show, which was at Don't Tell Mamas here in New York City. So I got pretty tight with Brenda. Haven't did, seen her in forever, but yeah. Uh, and then Mariah redid I Still Believe, which was one of yep. Brenda's original songs. Yep, 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 exactly. You and I were like, we were like, in the I know. know. Well, let's <laughs> next time in New York, we'll get lunch or dinner with Liza and, and Jamie. And I would we'll, love that. We'll get together. But, or when Liza comes out to LA, because you'll oh, yeah, come yeah. over to Malibu. We're hoping okay. we're trying to get a talk show uh, off the ground right now. So hopefully. I, I wish you the best and I'm happy to, if you need me to come on, I'm happy to. I love you so much. This was truly a dream come true, Ricky. Thank you. I love you so much. Everyone's going to oh. listen to Raised by Ricky. Uh, you're the best. Emmy winner. We did uh, so much. Love you. Ricky, thank you. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>